0: like i've spent my whole life in the media my dad was in the media like that is a big part of the revelation that's changed my life is the media are part of the control apparatus like there's no yeah i know i know because you're younger and smarter and you're like yeah yeah but what if you're me and you spent your whole life in that world and to look around and all of a sudden you're like oh wow Not only are they part of the problem, but I spent most of my life being part of the problem defending the Iraq war. Like I actually did that. Can you imagine if you did that? What do you think? What is one of your biggest regrets in your career? Oh, Defending the Iraq war. That is it? Well, I've had a million regrets, not being more skeptical, calling people names when I should have listened to what they were saying. Look, when you, when someone makes a claim, there's only one question that's important at the very beginning, which is, is the claim true or not? Good day, good day. Long time no see, long time no year, this is Mr. Manger here. Good to be here, good to be heard. So today we're going to look at the course of Twitter, the course of Tucker Carlson, whether the two really belong together. And briefly I'll mention, since this broadcast has had to be Replanned, revised, as some news breaks have come out, but the um incoming CEO of Twitter has been the executive director of the World Economic Forum since 2019, the same World Economic Forum that's concerned not so much about media bias as it is about. The war on misinformation, getting involved, telling you what you're supposed to think. Even as certain things that are pushed through official channels aren't always factual at the end of the day, never mind that, you're supposed to believe what you're supposed to believe, and that's pretty much that. And I guess the main question recently has become, is Twitter the right move for Tucker Carlson? Does he not have options elsewhere? Are these other options uh really so good for his content? Is he good as kind of an edgelord of a mainstreamish platform? Walking the wire, you know, like a circus act? just kind of one thing, you know? Um, maybe get in a little trouble with the big guns out there. So in recent years, Tucker Carlson has established himself as a commentator with not only a large following, but a dissenting perspective often challenging the bandwagon of the day. But this wasn't always the case. After spending considerable time as a cookie-cutter commentator and, in effect, a gatekeeper of allowable opinion, he realized that skepticism of power was a better vantage point. And with all this in mind, it might seem strange that he was ever part of Fox News Network, which often, if not overwhelmingly, has served as a gatekeeper for the BoomerCon official narrative and the GOP. However successful, Tucker Carlson tonight did not signify itself as Rupert and Lachlan Murdoch's word in the flesh of a younger man uttering the praises of the U.S. military, their wars. And the pharmaceutical industry or politicians, bureaucrats who lived off of doing their bidding. And after calling out the official story of January 6th into question, be it Ray Epps, a man caught inciting the storming of the US Capitol on tape, or federal agents who had foreknowledge and yet failed to protect the public, or a shocking lack of adequate security presence to address the concerns at the time. Tucker's coverage prompted the puppet-strung warfare statists, Jonah Goldberg and Stephen Hayes, to leave the network in protest. The tension had been brewing between Tucker and the gatekeepers, and it would boil on from there. It was only a matter of time before that reached a breaking point. Some, of course, celebrated Tucker's exit without any foresight of the future. Well, gee, who will ever offer Fox's top primetime host another job? How about $100 million at Valuetainment? How about Mike Lindell, the My Pillow guy, offering him a cushy job, pun, pun intended. intended, for his growing media empire? And One American News Network, Blaze TV, Rumble, they all wanted Tucker. Money. Loves to hear itself talk. Just to reiterate, if you thought Tucker was finished, as some probably did, well, you were off by at least a hundred million. Astonishingly, Rumble stood to lose two hundred and thirty-five million dollars as a result of Tucker hacking his news gear for Twitter. The Twitter universe might love to brand itself as the great oasis of free speech. And it appears that Tucker Carlson has bought into that. Now, this is a strange mantle to claim. While Elon Musk has been warring with Substack and throwing in a WEF executive, for a time Twitter didn't even accept links to the Substack platform. And as of this episode and transcript, I can no longer provide tweets on my Substack companion articles which once provided a valuable source of engagement for my followers. Making the best out of the worst, that was a strategy. That was how you can reach people. Will Tucker learn of this newfound digital Berlin Wall one day too late? CNN's dismissal of Don Lemon, which happened on the same day, also would seem to carry a symbolic significance. Chris Cuomo was given the boot from CNN in 2021. The next year, the network enacted a series of firings and program cancellations, including our beloved Brian Stelter and his inaptly titled Reliable Sources, as Chris Lick took over as chairman and CEO. Indications have been signaled that CNN was aiming to, say, get its reputation back as the most trusted name in news, ha ha ha, while its Trump-era brand of editorializing and obsessing over, well, Trump, was no longer a working formula in this post-Trump world. But is that cloud holding up the reality? From Trump Tower to the latest CNN Trump Town Hall, with Caitlin Collins, The same arrogant superiority complex that Cuomo, Stelter, and Lemon exhibited was back in business. In contrast, an old-school liberal like Phil Donahue would have his biases, but he'd still pose good questions when he'd interview such people, such contemporaries, as Milton Friedman and Ayn Rand. But today, cable TV news anchors, so-called, can't seem to interact without cutting off their guests, or cutting to the chase with their own talking points before the guest has even completed his explanation. Other prominent but defiant voices were either less bombastic or simply not as relevant. Try they did to capture the next sensational scapegoat. Joe Rogan proved to be a bad choice for the next target. A fighter by training, but also... Intellectually curious as a podcast host, with a loyal and sizable following. Marjorie Taylor Greene may have lacked the experience to defend herself when under the attack of CNN and such outlets in the public eye, but just as such, she was also not a household name. The kerosene seemed to run out when she found herself kicked off two congressional committees. And then there's Tucker Carlson himself. But unlike Trump, Carlson fashioned himself as a temperate and calculating critic of the latest bandwagon whose show provided consumable content for the everyman who wanted his gut feelings vindicated while his adversaries couldn't help but look crazy and unhinged. From literal break-in attempts at his home to NSA spying to plain old boycotting campaigns against him, Carlson managed to survive all of it. It must be nice to have that My Pillow guy when you need the last laugh. <laughs> it's so good. It's got to be a big misunderstanding. But I digress. The stated reason for Don Lemon's dismissal was rather than poor ratings, as was probably the real case, it was a response to comments asserting that Republican Nikki Haley was past her prime at age 51. Not to defend her policies, necessarily, but those comments themselves seem ill-conceived. After all, Hillary Clinton was 68 years old on Election Day in 2016. Joe Biden, who recently announced a bid for re-election, will be 82 on Inauguration Day. Now, like most Americans, I didn't watch Don Lemon every night. Or really ever save a few highlights here and there, but it wasn't exactly known for telling you that Joe Biden or Hillary Clinton were past their prime. Leaving that aside, it not only comes off as a public cancellation ritual, but is now expected to tailor any major dismissal as a sacrifice offering in hopes to appease an outraged audience. So, I'm curious... Is this an element of ESG? And if so, is this how the American consumer really wants to live? Was Don Lemon's career as a cable host put on life support until he stepped in the puddle and the overlords of ESG finally blew the whistle? However poorly these comments were received, 17 years is a long time to prove charges of misogyny, Misogyny. or for them to materialize for that matter. And it's an eternity for life support. Now, I don't think Don Lemon is topping anything anytime soon in terms of ratings. But Tucker Carlson, on the other hand, his first completely independent broadcast topped the ratings of the Fox News network that he supposedly relied on for his content distribution. And here's Don oh, Lemon's I like, where's last Don I said he's right there. <laughs> <laughs> that suggests that you try to pick me up. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. That was the wrong clip. Sorry. Here it is. That is simply to say it doesn't exist. When CNN hands you a lemon, you won't find much of a bidding war. How about Fox News? What's their history? What's their culture? Former chairman and CEO of Fox News Channel, Roger Ailes resigned his position in 2016 following the sexual harassment suit by Gretchen Carlson. Although Ailes denied the allegations, Fox issued a $40 million payout. Former Fox News chief, White House correspondent, Ed Henry was fired after another Fox News employee accused him of willful sexual misconduct. Fox News host and contributor, Eric Bulling left the network in 2017 during an investigation for sexual harassment. Perhaps we can go on, but the point is, there's a disturbing pattern, a disturbing history of this kind of behavior within the network. Women have had to speak out. Men pay up a little bit, but wash, rinse, repeat. Life goes on. How long can you work in a proverbial sewer pipe? before you're affected by the stench. Or, to put it more directly in this case, was Tucker Carlson part of that culture? And if so, to what extent? Now, various reactions were given to the footage released by the left-wing watchdogs at Media Matters for America, in which viewers are treated to an unveiled side of Carlson making remarks that are considered crude or denigrating. Media Matters was pointed out by name in a tirade they found from Tucker Carlson. I suppose it should be noted as on the side that others found these hilarious, possibly made up, possibly deep fakes, AI creations. But if Fox News Network issued a cease and desist order on grounds that their unaired footage and it was unlawfully obtained. I'm not so sure that holds up. Criminals and suspects seem all over this man, and a network struggling to justify a high-profile firing is supposedly getting the law involved. Perhaps Tucker wasn't exactly a saint behind the scenes. Abby Grossberg, his former producer, has alleged that Tucker created a sexist work environment and made her life a living hell. But her own lawyers recently confirmed a baffling detail... Grossberg and Carlson had never even met face-to-face. Now, I suppose the receipts could come in the form of a digital paper trail, and the sooner we see them, the sooner we can believe them. Free speech and powerful connections remain at the heart of this matter in just about every detail. Fox News had recently paid out over $700 million to Dominion, in what became the largest defamation suit in American history. Needless to say, Tucker Carlson invited Sidney Powell to take her case on Stop the Steal to the air. But since she refused, some have been led to doubt that case. It's been interesting too, how the Fox News Network managed to lose even more in the stock market following Tucker Carlson's dismissal, as they did in this case where they lost over $700 million in that Dominion suit. So in the U.S. is defamation law being boosted and elevated to the point where it's the whistle and money grab that it is in Europe or Canada. And if that isn't enough... Possibly even more disturbing are the recent revelations that Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky had been in contact with Fox News apparently unhappy with Tucker's ongoing criticisms of the U.S. involvement in their war with Russia. And there may not be a smoking gun that points directly to Zelensky being responsible for Tucker's firing, but the paper trail provides strong circumstantial evidence that it was a key factor. Of course, we've been led to believe in the West, in the U.S., that our government isn't supposed to decide who talks and who doesn't, what you can and can't listen to, or any such thing. But now we have to worry about foreign influence. Could foreign governments be used for that abuse of power? Especially in a digital age, where Western values are under attack at home and abroad. This has been another episode of the Austro-Jeffersonian Empire of Liberty podcast. I'm Mr. Manger. Thanks again for listening.